I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. Taking it down to the deadline. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? It's deadline day. It's such a fun day. Yes. I So I had to uh, film something today at my job, and it's the first time I ever had to use a teleprompter, which... It's an interesting experience. It totally threw threw me off, and I don't. I can speak in front of. I don't care how many people, but have me read a teleprompter. It just threw me off. It was all in my head, but eventually came around to it and it was okay. But scheduling this thing, I was scheduling this thing out a couple of weeks ago, and and they originally pitched at me and said, "Hey, can we do this on Thursday of February 6th? And I'm like, I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, I think so. Like normally my Thursdays are pretty clear. All this stuff. And then it just, holy crap, it's deadline day. There's <laughs> no way. So I made it happen today. So tomorrow I just clear out my schedule. going to chill in my office all day and uh, do some work at work, but also see what happens because it's literally my, one of my favorite days of all of the NBA calendar year and just seeing everything that's talked about, rumored and Hopefully some fun stuff goes down. Hopefully. By the time you're listening to this, things may have happened. Like last night, we heard about a 14 trade right after we uh, ended our recording of Locked on Mavs. Uh, we, we teased a, an emergency pod, and Isaac said, my pregnant wife would not like that. And someone someone said, she can sit this one out. <laughs> I debated on replying to that person, but uh, I chose not to. <laughs> that made me laugh pretty hard. Um, but yeah, on today's pod, we're going to talk about the trades that did happen in the NBA, we'll talk about maybe what the Mavs could possibly do. There's no Mavs rumors. I mean, we can yeah. tell you that there are, but there are no Mavs rumors as of right now. So we'll talk, about, we'll, talk, we'll talk about some possibilities. And then we'll also break down the Mavericks, uh, the Mavericks stinker against Memphis at home. Another home loss. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. So, all right. I want to get into this um, this four team deal that happened last night because I like when actual trades happen. The speculation of trades doesn't interest me as much as like figuring out why teams actually did things. Uh, personally, that's just me. So four team deal. This is what we know so far. And tell me if I'm if I'm wrong on any of this. No, you're right because I don't have the <laughs> the Timberwolves get Malik Beasley from the Nuggets, Juanjo Hernan Gomez from the Nuggets, Evan Turner from the Hawks, Jared Vanderbilt from the Nuggets. A Brooklyn first-round pick that's protected 1-14 to from the Hawks. Um, the Hawks get Clint Capella and Nene, who's probably not going to play for them. The Nuggets get Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, Gerald Green from the Rockets, Kata Bates-Jopp from the Timberwolves, and a Houston in the Houston first-round pick this year. The Rockets get Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, uh, and Golden State's second-round pick from Atlanta. So, I mean, there's just so many ways you can try to unpack this. Uh, but let's just go team by team. So for the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves get rid of Covington. They, you know, they trade him. He's been talked about forever. The Mavs didn't get into that. They get Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and basically the 15th or 16th pick in this draft because Brooklyn's pick is going to be about there. They'll probably make the playoffs. They'll probably be worse than the 8th seed in the West, so it'll be the 15th or 16th pick in the draft. 
Yeah. Um, if the Mavericks could have got into this, I mean, could they have beaten this offer? Right? Because this is this is kind of what it came down to. There's a couple other things in play, obviously. Shabazz Napier went out. Uh, Katie Bates Jop went out. Uh, Jordan Bell, I guess, went out too. Uh, but that's basically the haul for the Timberwolves. No, I don't think the Mavericks could have really. With I mean, with the available pieces. With the available pieces. I mean, it's like you said, it really comes down. I think it comes down, however you feel about Hernan Gomez, it comes down to Malik Beasley in that first round pick. And, you know, Evan Turner might, might get bought out and he might be off the team by the time you listen to this. But you're getting Malik Beasley, a young guy who's restricted free agent. You can bring him back on whatever deal this coming summer. But a lot of people like Malik Beasley. and Yeah, he's a good moment. I think you can you can make the argument or at least have a discussion of you know, where does the Mavericks mid-tier guys, where do they stack up to Malik Beasley? And even if they're, let's just say they're even, Dallas didn't have that first rounder. They didn't have, you know, that Brooklyn first round. Like you said, it's going to be a top 20 pick in this upcoming draft. And even though it's a bad draft, it's still a top 20 pick. So yeah, the difference between the Mavs pick that they had that golden state first um, and, or the golden state second. And then this one is probably, you know, the difference between 15 and 31, 32, maybe right. Like that's a, that's a big difference. That's a huge teams trade up in the draft for, for that, you know, distance. So, um, yeah, that's. I, I don't think they could have beaten it anyway. Like it, it comes down to what do you think about Malik Beasley versus Jalen Brunson, right? Like if you wanted to throw that in there, what do they think about Malik Beasley versus Delon Wright, who's a little bit older? Like Malik Beasley's only twenty three, I think, right mm-hmm. now. Um, and so I don't think the Mavs could have beaten it with the stuff that they had available. Uh, it seemed like the Timberwolves really just wanted young player and the pick, and they got it. Um, also, same and, co- and that. They also sent out a lot of players, too. We don't know exactly what Minnesota wanted to do in this deal, but let's say one of the requirements is, hey, we want to send out some of these other guys, too. Well, what they wanted to do in the deal is get D'Angelo Russell, and they were not able to yeah. do that. So this is their B plan, right? Like this, is, this is their yes. secondary plan at this point. So you got a, you got a young young wing in Malik Beasley, and you get a you know, top 20 first-round pick for Covington, basically. And I, I mean, I personally would not have done that if I was Minnesota. I would have just kept Covington. But it, it sounds like that's you know, a package they wanted. They did it. And uh, no, I don't think Dallas uh, could have beaten that offer. No, not with the stuff they were willing to trade. Um, the Timberwolves also get Evan Turner. So now they have Turner and Crab, who, who are both the, expi- the big expiring deals from the Hawks, which is kind of funny to me. They got those in separate deals. Um, the Hawks get Clint Capella. I think this is good for the Hawks, right? They send that Brooklyn first, so that's an extra first-round pick. They uh, sent the Golden State second in 2024. Um, and then Evan Turner, right? Like th- That's the only stuff they sent in it, and they get Clint Capella. I mean, heck yeah, do that if you're if you're the Hawks. Maybe you have to figure out fit with you know Clint Capella and John Collins, but at this point, I think it's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I think – more than anything, you look at it and say you basically got Capella for a you know a first round pick and Evan Turner and Evan Turner expiring deal. You know you, you get a you get a contract like Evan Turner on a big expiring to be able to make a deal like this to match salaries yeah. and all that. So I mean I think in a vacuum getting Capella for uh, you know a Brooklyn first round pick that's not even your own. Cool. That future like, second from Golden State could be in the same vein as the the one we're talking about this year too. That's twenty twenty four, right? Like that's yeah. four years from now. Curry's going to be what thirty three, thirty four by then. I mean, they're going to be older at this point. But um, I, yeah, I don't that's think, what they I don't send think, out for Clint Capella, and I think that's a, that's a good trade for them. 
Yeah, it's good. And Capella's, you know, a fine player. He's on a good deal. You know, I think somebody like Andre Drummond's like, dang it. You know, there goes a, <laughs> there goes a suitor for me because now this takes, you know, the Hawks out of a, you know, the big man market this for coming sure. summer. They were one of the only teams that, you know, yeah. had money. That's summer, true. Free so. agency too. I didn't think about that. Yeah, so they they got their big man now. This is their pre-agency, if you want to say. So yeah. I, I think it was a good move. I don't think it you know pushes the Hawks you know into the playoffs next year. And I am intrigued with the fit of John Collins and Capella, and if that's going to work. Yeah, John Collins can step out and hit a three though, which is which is solid, and that's that's what you need next to Capella. It also gives them some stability in the paint they haven't had for a while, <laughs> which I think is is positive. I mean. It's not the greatest fit in the world, but I think it's good, and I think that they can make it work. And if they have to trade John Collins down the road, that's a 2010 guy that you know gets traded, and so maybe they get something good for that. All right, coming up, let's get into the rest of this trade. We'll, we'll move through this, and then um, we'll get to some of the other trades, and then we'll talk about maybe what the Mavs can do. All right, Isaac, let's get into the rest of this trade. Uh, the Nuggets get Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, Gerald Green, Kata Bates Chop. And a Houston first-round pick, they sent out Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, um, and Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, so for them, basically, this is kind of a confusing move for the Nuggets because you say, well, they have two guys, Malik Beasley is kind of in their rotation, Wancho kind of in their rotation, Jared Vanderbilt, a young guy. They get Shabazz Napier and Vonley and Gerald Green, who they're going to waive. Uh, and then the Houston first. Looks like they're basically giving up a viable player for a first round, right, <laughs> in Beasley. But I was listening to Locked On Nuggets uh, and Matt Moore, who's HP Basketball on Twitter. Um, he said that basically Malik Beasley's a restricted free agent at the end of this year. And he was in and out of the rotation anyway because of Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. coming on strong, showing what he can show. Uh, they basically have a nine-man rotation in, in Denver that Malik Beasley wasn't going to be able to crack for the rest of this year. And so they basically took advantage of the situation, got a first-round pick from Houston, uh, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, I guess they could play some spot minutes for them, but that's basically what it came down to for the Nuggets. Yeah, I, di- I didn't get the Nuggets side of this at first, but you know, if you're not going to bring back Beasley or Hernan Gomez this summer, you know, you might as well get something for them. And yeah, you get your first round pick, and they got a couple, you know, Napier and Vonley and stuff. They, I don't think they're going to be into the bench guys. They might have some, you know, placed in the rotation some. So sure, yeah. and we don't know if Denver's you know done yet either. Right. They could use some of the stuff in that first rounder to go get something else before the deadline. True. Um, the Rockets get Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, and the Golden State Warriors' second-round pick in 2024. Uh, this is the interesting one for me. And I did a little video on uh, on my YouTube channel. You can go click the link in the description of this show to go watch that. It's basically a video essay of what the Rockets did and why. Um, I've been doing these updates. You probably hear some of them in the, uh, the ads, these one-minute like quick updates. Uh, I do a little longer version of it. Um, for those same kind of ads too. We've been trying to figure out how to use them. And so anyway, uh, I've been doing, I did that. Uh, but the, I did the Rockets today because it's just a fascinating situation. They're basically just punting on having a center, right? Like PJ Tucker's going to start at center for them. And Robert Covington's going to come in and play the four and pro- probably be center too. <laughs> like at this point, they're going real small. They might add another big man, but he's not going to start for them. They're really just running out with this, "Quote unquote death lineup of theirs, right? <laughs> or small ball lineup? It's not even death. It's not that good. But um, this is what they're doing, and it's wild. Yeah, I think you still they still got to go out and get a big because you still got to be able to match up a little bit with some of these guys. Like it's okay to have a death lineup, but we, can't call, lineup, we can't call it a death lineup. It's a, it's a small ball lineup. 
Okay, it's okay to have a small ball lineup, but that's not something that you're going to run, you know, 35 minutes a night normally. They're going to do it. I know. and that's 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 Their whole thing, and I'm ruining the video, but their whole thing with their entire existence right now is three is more than two, right? They take four more two-point shots than three-point shots right now. And the gap is is closing. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they took sixty threes the other night in a game—that's wild. Like that's crazy. The biggest gap in the NBA is the Indiana Pacers. They take thirty-four more twos than threes, and the Rockets only take four more. Wow! <laughs> like that's wild. Their whole thing is three is more than two, and so we're going to take as many threes as we can. Clint Capella doesn't shoot threes. We're going to bring in Robert Covington. He does shoot threes. Even if somebody beats us in the post, we don't think that somebody can beat us in the post enough to make it hurt enough that our threes won't counteract that. Which is crazy to think about. It's like totally punting on an area of the game. Like, okay, Anthony Davis, okay, Nikola Jokic, go beat us in the post. And maybe you beat us uh, It's like 66% of the time. Two out of every three plays you beat us. But we're going to go hit two threes out of every three, right? Like, <laughs> Or whatever. Or Yeah, and yeah. so that's going to even out or that's gonna we're going to come out on top. Like the Rockets, they need – James, every Rockets game I've watched this year, they need James Harden to be close to perfect. And if he's not, then somebody else has to step up uh, and, do, and do something crazy. Eric Gordon's got to score 50 or Westbrook's got to go off. Like they have to have one player play tremendously. Uh, and then they have to hit their threes and they live and die by the three. And that's just, that's it. That's the, that's the whole thing. And, and, <laughs> and I this wanna, is an experiment just... that is crazy. I just want to see what it looks like in the playoffs because, uh, you know, something and who like they match Co- up with. Yeah, well, bringing Covington in and running the small ball stuff, you know, they might reel off some wins and everybody get hyped about them in the, you know, regular season. It's like, oh, cool, here comes a wave. But then, you know, we've talked about it before. Playoff basketball is completely different than regular season basketball. A lot of times it slows down. It becomes a little bit more ISO heavy. You get more half you know, half court sets a lot of times. And, you know, this team's going to want to get out and run with this small ball, you know, unit stuff. So, anyway, I, th- I still think they get some type of, you know, another big, uh, whether it's before the deadline or buyout market, whatever. But, sure, go for it. Houston, <laughs> have fun. A smaller deal that actually happened today, um, the Sacramento Kings and the Atlanta Hawks, who are just kind of like mirror images of each other across the <laughs> across the conference. Uh, Sacramento gets Jabari Parker and Alex Len. Dwayne Dedman goes to Atlanta, and Atlanta also gets two second-round picks. Atlanta gets Dwayne Dedman back, which is hilarious. Uh, they also just got, what would we just say? We just said they got Clint Capella and Nene, so they have like tons of centers now. Um and they get paid two second-round picks to take Dwayne Dedman back to be a backup center for them. Uh, that's a great deal for Atlanta, <laughs> I thought. Sacramento literally paid two seconds to get off Dedman's money. And however you want to feel about Jabari and Alex Lynn, sure. They paid to get off of Ariza, too. They signed both those guys this summer touting that they got veterans you know, to shore up their bench. Corey, what was it? Corey Joseph, Ariza, and Dedman. And yeah. now they're going to trade you know, two out of the three of them. So I just I just know I'm gonna tune in for the Jabari uh, Bagley front court. All, <laughs> all here for that defense. The cursed monster. second round picks. <laughs> Actually, Jabari's not cursed because the Wiggins one wasn't that good. So yeah, that's true. And Bead is right after them though. Anyway, but anyway, I thought that was interesting. Also, um, this came out of this was a report coming out of Sacramento that just made me laugh with this trade. Uh, it's from Sean Cunningham on Twitter. Kings had a lot of interest in Jabari Parker this past summer. Landing him in this trade is definitely looked at. 
as an accomplishment for Vladi Divac and his staff. Whoa. That's what an accomplishment is in Sacramento now. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's wow. just... <laughs> It's that's incredible. Funny. Anyway, the other thing that's going on right now is the Andre Iguodala trade. He's going to Miami. Somehow he's going to Miami. He's already, you know, talking about, he's already touting that his whole situation should be studied by Harvard Business School as what player empowerment should be and how an athlete can take a black athlete specifically can take control of his um can take control of his career. That was literally what he said to Mark Spears in a video. You can go watch that right now. That was just wild to me. Um he gets traded to Miami for Justice Winslow. Uh, that's what the trade is right now, and we don't know what else is in it. It seems like somebody else could get in it. They're trying to get Gallinari. You probably know more than us by the time you're listening to this. But uh, he Iguodal also got a two-year extension for $30 million. The second year is team option, um, so basically one extra year and then the team option. But Iguodal going to Miami now. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked Miami's team going into the playoffs already. And depending on what they send out, uh, when this all shakes out, then man, I'm going to be even more um, confident in them making a deep playoff run. And yeah, so they're going to catch I, somebody off guard. They will, and you know, Iggy, I think he fits great with them, and Jimmy Butler and them, and all that stuff. But I want to see how the rest of it shakes out because you know, even in Dallas tonight with you know with the Grizzlies, you know, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill warming up before the game. They're a late scratch, you know, to to the lineup. So and that happens right around the same time that the Iguodala trade is announced that he yeah. is going to Miami. So. You know, so a lot of people were trying to put two and two together of, all right, well, they in the deal somehow. And if they're in the deal, then Miami has to be sending out of the pieces and then the Gallinari stuff. So this could turn into another bigger deal like we got, you know, in the 12 team or the 12 team, the the 12 player, <laughs> you know, deal. That would be incredible. Man, can we make that work in the trade machine? <laughs> um, but this could, you know, turn into a bigger thing. Like Nick said, you probably already know uh, what that's going to look like, but it, it's these other deals that I'm looking at of saying, how can Dallas jump in and be, you know, kind of catch the other pieces that's going to fall as a result of some other trades happening? Is there something with Miami or Memphis and or OKC and how these deals shake out to where Dallas can come into one of those teams and say, uh, after, the, after the trade is done and say, okay, let's just say they have to throw in Dragic to go to OKC for Gallinari or something like that. And OKC's like, hey, we already have Schroeder and Chris Paul and SGA and stuff. We don't need Dragic. And then somebody like Dallas calls and says, all right, Courtney Lee, this you know second round pick or you answer whatever it is. It's those type of deals. The Mo Harkless situation to where if they do make a trade with New York and go out and get Marcus Morris and Mo Harkless goes to New York, Man, that's somebody right there that would fit great in Dallas. And if Dallas calls yeah. New York and says, "Hey, like Mo Harkless, we'll t- you know we'll take Mo Harkless. We'll give you you know a, a second rounder or two with the Lee expiring if we if you can you know swap Lee and Harkless." And so it's it's stuff like that that can Dallas jump in and catch some of the you know falling pieces of some trades. Yeah, that's gonna be the interesting thing. Uh, and it seems like that's when what's gonna happen with Dallas if they get in. It's gonna be as a third team with one of these. Uh, I don't know if they're going to straight up get anybody. Like, who are the straight up Dallas trades that could still happen, right? Like, the Iguodala one's gone. Covington's gone. Um, I don't even see, like, Harkless straight up wouldn't work. It would have to be a three-team scenario. Um, Yeah. I mean, they, they could do it technically, but I just don't see yeah. a motive for the Clippers to do it. 
No, no, I don't see the you know the Clippers doing you know doing that. But there's still yeah, there's still some other you know names on the board that we got to see. You know what happens with Bogdanovich in Sacramento? It looks like the, you know they want to keep him and stuff, which yeah. I would if I was them too. But um, you never one, know what. One of the reasons why they got rid of Ariza and Deadman, even though we laughed at them, was because they're trying to try to get some more money for next season so that they can re-sign Bogdanovich. He's restricted this summer to re-sign him to you know and match whatever deal is going to happen. So somebody's going to stick it to him. Hopefully it's Dallas and, and sign him to you know max offer sheet and then they're going to match it. So yeah, so that that's what we you never know. Some you know Mark Stein came out of nowhere today and said you know Phoenix is listening to offers for Kelly Oubre. Yeah, yeah. And it's like okay, we haven't heard that name before. You know who's the next Kelly Oubre that we hear about over the next few hours or before the deadline and. Yeah, personally, I think Kelly Oubre would fit in Dallas, but I just don't know if they have he's, the pieces for that. He's not a just for Courtney Lee and the you know the Golden no. State pick player. He's better than that. No, no, he is better than that. And uh, you know, I think right now a lot of Mavs fans, you know, you're kind of in these two spots of you're expecting them probably to not make a deal, but there's also possibility for them to go and make a deal. And I, I think making the making the case or at least making the pitch of like why Dallas shouldn't you hear Donnie Nelson stuff that, you know, talking about, Hey, we have such a young team. Like we went out and we brought back Maxie and Dorian and we have Seth and Delon and we have a young group of guys. We have one of the best offenses in the league. We have this young duo, our, our best players, you know, our best two players and our cornerstones of the franchise are both 23 and under. I mean, you have this super young team inexperienced. Nick and I both have talked about, so I can hear I can hear the pitch of, hey, why should we go out and you know mess up some of this? Let's go in. If we make making the playoffs is you know that's the success this season. Go in, get some experience under your belt for all of your players, not just Luca and KP, but for all of the guys, and then go you know go with it from there. So I, I can see that, but I can also see the other side too, where you're always going to be opportunistic, and if there's a deal out there to where you have somebody like Luca and KP, and watching Luca, I mean, watching KP against Memphis tonight and these over yeah. this past like week or so, you can't help to get excited. You know, you can't help to look at it and say, man, what if, like, what if this KP is with MVP Luca? And then they have a couple more pieces. You can't. You can't help as a as a as a Mavs fan to look at this and think about that, right? I mean, absolutely. And the word that you used, is, I think, describes this perfectly. The Mavericks are going to be opportunistic. They are not going to. They're not going to be desperate, right? When you look at the yeah. Rondo trade, uh, and if you read my piece on Central Track about the Rondo trade, it kind of haunts this team because they made a desperate move. They had Dirk. You know, he's thirty five years old at this point, on the end, tail end of his career. They had a team that had. Really good offense. They had some young pieces, and they decided to and a bunch of veteran a bunch of veterans that had been there. They decided to make this move, and they were desperate. The Mavericks are not desperate, right? They don't have to make a move, and if they don't, it's not a failure of the trade deadline, right? Like that's stupid. The Mavericks are going to be opportunistic if a good situation comes up where they can snag a Mo Harkless or can snag you know Kelly Oubre even or you know some one of these other players. Then yeah, go after that. But if it doesn't present itself, that doesn't mean it wasn't there either, right? Yeah. They have to uh, – they're at a point. They have this luxury of having a little time. We're not going to say that they sit on their laurels and do nothing, but they have time to let this younger this young team grow and to be able to be opportunistic and find the right opportunity for them to 
add talent and add the right pieces, not just any pieces, right? They're not just going to go yeah. out there and make a trade just because. Um, they're going to go out there and find the right pieces. And you're, I think that's a, a great situation for this team to be in. They're not – at this point, you are looking for the right pieces, like you said. Yeah. It's not like you're in a situation to where you're just trying to find any talent and you're trying to find anybody, yeah. any type of piece. This is not 2016 and, Mavs. This is not even 2017 Mavs, right? Exactly. So it's not in that situation. you got to find guys that fit next to KP, fit, fit next to Luka. Like Dorian Finney-Smith, man, what a season that he's having this year. And he looks like – I mean, he fits great next to those guys. Finding more pieces that just fit those puzzle piece type of things. And, you you know, you always got to improve the roster. And But if they don't make the, you know, the deal now, they're also set up really great for draft time. Yeah. To where if you get to the draft and you didn't do anything before the deadline – you still have the Golden State second rounder. You still have your own first round pick. That you if can Tim trade Hart- then. Exactly, that you can trade on draft night. You also have the expiring contract of Tim Hardaway Jr. If he makes that decision before draft night that, hey, I'm going to pick up you know, this, I'm going to opt into that last year, my deal. All of a sudden, you have a $20 million expiring contract in Tim Hardaway Jr. with you know those draft picks. You, you can really, you know, all kinds of stuff could be on the board come draft night. So, and uh, draft night should be really interesting, I think, because there, you know, we already seen today with these moves today, they're already taking cap space off the board this summer from some of these bad teams, whether it's Memphis or Atlanta. That's already, you know, Capella takes them takes cap space yeah. away from them this summer. So, the, this summer has already kind of been not really bashed. Um, it's been downplayed. It's been downplayed, yeah, downplayed. Is, is not having big free agents, right? It doesn't have, you know, these big names, KD, LeBron, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so I want to see how that affects draft night and what trades could potentially happen or, around draft night and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, we ha- you're not hearing anything with Dallas right now, and you don't – We not hardly ever any- do. But exactly what Nick said. You hardly ever do, and – you know, we could be looking at tomorrow morning Dallas, you know, Mavericks trade for Alec Burks, and we're like, let's go, solid sure, piece. Yeah. This is cool, and you know, whatever it is. So yeah, that's one they we'll could see. do one for one. You're right, like you know, yeah, Alec Burks, I will, I will say, Jr. I will say this: if they do trade Courtney Lee somewhere, and you know, whatever it is, let's let's just say Golden State, whatever. He's a great. I think he's a great buyout guy, and we could like Courtney yeah, Lee on, Phil, on on Philly, sure. They need more shooting. They need another, like, I mean, any team, whether it's a, an L.A. team or whatever it is, I think Courtney Lee, if he does get traded to a team that's not in the playoffs or not one of those top teams, then I think he could be a prime buyout guy Utah. for Utah, that feels like a good Utah spot. Yeah, Utah. Sure, any of them. Um, yeah, that, that's that's where we are right now with the Mavericks. If they don't make a move, it, you know, it's going to be fine. But if they do, then we'll see what it is and – We'll come up to it. Uh, oh, I also saw Cuban said this somewhere. I can't remember where it was, where it was now. Uh, he said, basically, when the draft rolls around, we're going to be working with two first-round picks. You know, that's how they're operating, coming up. Uh, and so wouldn't you rather have two first-round picks to work with at the draft than just one first-round pick and you know, and get somebody right now at the deadline, somebody less, or have the two to you know have one? Hold on. <laughs> wouldn't you <laughs> where are you ra- going? Would you rather have one Golden State second that's kind of a first – to work with now at the at the draft or at the deadline, or wait till the sickness is still it's it's it's, it's messing up the cognitive functions. Or would you rather have two first round picks essentially to work with at the draft instead of just the second round pick right now uh, that is labeled a second, but around the draft it looks more like a first, right? Yeah, uh, and so, I think it depends on what kind of 
person you could get for that Golden State second and all that stuff. It's all relative, but but you'd rather have more value at the draft than just half the value in both spots, right? Uh, yeah, right. Like, wouldn't yeah. you rather you would rather have that? But but I'm saying if the Golden State second rounder would lead you know to somebody over the next few hours to somebody that would make a big impact on the team and it could help them in the playoffs or something like that or somebody that's under contract for the next you know another year or something like that if it can help that then sure I'm down but I can if, play this game too wouldn't you rather have somebody at the draft that can make an even bigger impact and be an even better player <laughs> what's the what's the office thing where where uh Jim is dressed up like in a classy suit and he's like he's like yes but what if we did this and even more this even even and even more this and Michael's like oh yeah that that Dwight's like that was my idea he just said something else <laughs> he just said more <laughs> oh man all right coming up uh the podcast should be over but we're going to keep going because it's trade deadline day uh, we're going to break down this Mavericks game because it sucked and we're going to talk about uh some good things we saw in it and uh just some positives from the Mavs, and then some things that definitely need to be talked about that are some negatives for sure. So coming up, we'll break into this Mavs game. All right, Isaac, let's get into this Mavericks game. Uh, the Mavericks end up losing this game by a lot. Um, what did it end up being? 121 to 107 against the Memphis Grizzlies at home. Another home loss. You have any? Do you have anything about the home record? The home record. No. They're like 14 and 13 at home, and like 17 and seven on the road. I mean, I, I, to me, and I said this to somebody on Twitter, the sample size is too small. There's 50 games t- to look at. Uh, there's just so many variables and filters to go through. Like, who were they playing at home? Who were they playing on the road? Were they were they back-to-backs? Was the other team on a back-to-back? Like, there's just so many things. Who was injured? Who was playing? Like, there's so many different factors that you can't boil it down to just one thing, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I get why a lot of fans are asking the question. Heck, I'm asking myself We are. Question. I mean, yeah, we are, too. Uh, but I think I don't have an answer for it. And I think if the Mavericks had an answer for it, they would already fixed it. So that, that's or we would see it. a difference. Maybe like we would see them trying to do something different. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously, you know, it's not ideal. You don't like this. I mean, it's, it's weird. We've talked about how weird it is that an inexperienced younger team is so much better on the road compared to, you know, home. Normally it's the opposite, you know? So it, it's super weird. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know the Mavericks are trying to fix this too, so uh, we don't have the answers to that. And the difference, the difference for for Dallas right now, right? They have the thirteen losses at home and seven on the road, right? Like the difference between that is like six games. <laughs> six games swing differently at home than you're talking yeah. about something else. You know, you, you can go back to the beginning, right? You can go back to the Dwight Howard pulling on, on Seth Curry. You can go back to the Portland challenge at the end of the very first game of the season. Like there's just been some weird games at home, right? That you could go back to. And maybe if the ball would have bounced a different way, they would have won it. And it, this would be totally different. Yeah. I mean, you don't. yeah. I mean, we could sit and speculate all day on all. Oh, this is why, Yeah, this is why they breaking at home, breaking all those factors down to be a very boring podcast. I think. <laughs> uh, all right. But in this game, um, we got the starting lineup of Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi, and Porzingis again uh, against John Morant, Dylan Brooks, the nemesis, Isaac's nemesis, Kyle <laughs> Slomo Anderson, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jonas Valanciunas. And we had a late scratch of both Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, who normally start instead of Kyle Anderson. 
So that was kind of interesting. We already kind of mentioned that about them being traded. By the time you listen to this, they may have already been traded. Um, KP came out looking confident. I mean, in the first oh couple of possessions, gosh. he took a logo. He took a three from a logo. That was wild. Um, he was just hitting. He scored 12. That first drive, that first like pump fake and drive. Yes. So confident. <laughs> like uh, that, yeah. Yes, and this yeah. is the, the we've been preaching this every time Porzingis plays without Luca. This is the kind of game. This is the way he has to play with Luca on the floor, right? It's both ways. Porzingis has to be this confident in his game, demand the ball, be confident and decisive when he has the ball. He's been very decisive in these games. He knows yeah. what he's going to do. He doesn't do the whole second guess and then hesitate and then give away his advantage thing when you know Luca's not on the floor. But when he when Luca is on the floor, he kind of second guesses it, and maybe that's because. Okay, do we have a better option somewhere else? You know, when when he's the only one, he's like, I am the option. <laughs> I am the one yeah. who knocks, right? Like that's what he goes to. It's kind of like you feel like you, you know, I can imagine me in his spot of yeah. feeling like you have a little bit more grace too of when Luca's not out there and you miss a couple of shots, you feel like you have to keep shooting to get in your group you're because the guy. you're you're the guy. And to where if you miss a couple of shots and Luca's on the floor, then it's like, dang, am I, you know, I need to give it up. Like Luca's on the floor. So, I mean, yeah. So I could see how it could be a mental thing for him for sure. KP scores 15 points in the first quarter. Uh, the Mavericks were up by one after the first quarter. Um, they, they briefly played KP and Willie Colley Stein, which I think was the first time we'd seen that in the second quarter. Uh, it didn't go that well. <laughs> they ended it pretty quickly. Um, KP ends the first half with 24 points. Uh, he drew like a hundred fouls in that first half. That was one of the notes that I, I wrote that he, every single time a Grizzly was near him and put their elbow above their shoulder, he would just flop and he would fall down and they would get called fouls and the Grizzlies were getting so mad, but that's the number one guy superstar calls, right? Like he was getting them in this game. Uh, and that yeah. was super exciting. Like I said, 24 points, the Mavericks had seven turnovers in the first half, which is not positive. Um, not terrible either, but, um, they were down by three at halftime. Uh, KP also had a drive and, and one through contact with, with Jaron Jackson Jr. That was another that was one nice. where it was a drive that you just say, man, this guy is 7'3", and he can do this. That's the potential. And this is honestly what this season should have been like. And now we have all these expectations of, oh, we should be a 50-win team. We should be in the playoffs. We should have home court advantage. Like There's all these expectations. But these are the kind of moments that we should be super excited about this year. The flashes. The flashes of greatness from yeah. a 24-year-old and a 20-year-old. But they've been a little bit better than expected so there's too many expectations heaped on it that we can't appreciate these moments are we sure we want them to have home court advantage no no i'm saying that was the expected <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> i missed the but no, I, I i get what you're saying you know for sure and you know porzingis yeah like you said i mean he had 32 32 points 12 boards uh he had a block a couple steals in this game yeah seven of seven from the free throw line like just yeah. doing quick quick math. That's uh, 19, 19, of nineteen of nineteen of the past uh, two games, and let's go. Uh, you love seeing you love seeing that from Porzingis, and yeah, it was just fun. You know, obviously it, the third quarter was just brutal. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely brutal. They hit everything they threw up. It felt like, but also he had the nose injury, and since we've been recording this, Brad Townsend, you know, tweeted out saying that Porzingis, um, Porzingis said his nose is broken, so. We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens over the next. Freaking you know, Josh coming. Jackson, come on, man! It did look <laughs> absolutely painful. So uh, it was gushing yeah, blood. After that happened, you know, he obviously had to come out of the game, and you know, Dallas could just couldn't recover. And it, it's weird because you want to look at this and say, "Oh man, Dallas's bench, uh, you know, it sucked." 
Well, a couple of these you know bench players are playing in the starting unit. When you even look, you look at the plus minus, it's crazy because Jalen Brunson played 32. They lost by 14. Brunson was a plus 12 in 32 minutes. All there wasn't a single minus uh, as far as a plus minus in in net rating in the starting unit. But then you look at the bench tonight. Delon Wright minus 35. Man, in 20 minutes. Um, Justin Jackson, Jackson minus Jackson. 20, Brokoff minus 17, Willie Colley-Stein minus 16, and he didn't even play that much. He played 12 minutes. Yeah. Antonio's Cleveland minus 6, and Boban minus uh, 11, he played 3 minutes. Like, those are just really bad stretches that the, that group is playing. And this is, you know, it comes down to the Mavericks have a bunch of guys. Uh, they had some depth, but the continuity of their team starts to fall apart when you lose this many guys. The Mavericks in this game were without Dwight Powell, obviously, without Luka, obviously. Without Seth Curry, which is a huge yeah. loss off the bench. And then without J.J. Barea, too. They didn't ha- even have the beacon, right? Like, they didn't even have yeah. him to throw out there. Uh, and I then, mean, your typical bench unit is going to look like if Dwight Powell's out there, you're looking at Maxi, Seth Curry, and Jalen Brunson, you know, in addition to some of these other guys. But those three guys are for sure playing. And because of these, you know, Jalen had to be inserted into the starting unit. Dwight and Seth are out of injury. So that's three pieces in, of your bench unit right there that's missing that you're replacing those bench minutes with Ryan Brokoff, Justin Jackson, some of these other guys. And they're, they're just not at the same level as the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. And this Memphis team is rolling. I mean, they, they've won, yeah. what, 13 out of their last 16 games? I mean, they are just absolutely on fire. They're, they're, you know, hitting on all cylinders. Uh, that third quarter, though, I want to talk about it a little bit more. So, with about f- five minutes left, the Mavericks are tied 71 71. Uh, Antonius Cleveland got his first minutes in there, and Isaac and I texted each other. Do we think that is somebody getting traded? Like, Antonius Cleveland is finally playing. <laughs> Does that mean somebody else got traded? Um, the uh, Willie Colley Stein had a run <laughs> at the, in, the, in the third quarter. Um, basically three plays where he fouled a three-point shooter, just or, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Then he traveled with nobody near him at all, like absolutely just nobody near him. And then he fouled on a lob for Brandon Clark, which uh, oh. Harp called him Brandon Clark in the middle of the game. Oh uh, the audio is not clear enough for it to, to be as funny as I thought it was, but he called him Brandon Clark, which is funny. It sounded like he was either using an English accent or he just said clock, like clock. I freaking love Brandon Clark. I know we loved him so much in the draft too. We wanted. Him. I had him literally, guys. You did I had him number number two on my big board. You did ahead of you ahead of John did. Morant, ahead of that any was of very the other dumb, guys. But you had him that high. <laughs> I had him number two on my Mavericks big board, not overall <laughs> yeah. Mavs big board uh, behind Zion, and I was all in on him. And I miss him. I tweeted out, I said, "Why did other teams pass on him?" And people were replying like, "He's old. It's his age." I I understand all that. I still meant. Why would teams still pass on him despite the age? But anyway. So the Mavs are tied 71-71. Willie Colley-Stein has that sequence, you know, where he's just absolutely brutal. Uh, Porzingis got whacked in the face uh, with about four minutes left. So this is just about a, a minute and a half stretch of just absolutely horribleness. And then out of that, Memphis goes on a 29-7 run to end the quarter. <laughs> Like, just everything Jeez. that could go wrong went wrong for this team. Porzingis was killing it. Usually he would play a lot of the third quarter, the way that his substitution pattern looked. And so he got pulled out too early. Um, and the Mavs just didn't have an answer. And then it just got out of hand. And in the fourth quarter, they didn't have an answer for it either. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I think I almost credit the Grizzlies more than I um, harp on – the Mavericks in this game because I just think the Grizzlies played a good game and well, it's shot 48 percent from three. 
That's wild. I mean, and it, it's crazy when you think about it. You know, it looks like there's going to be a third team in this Iguodala trade, but if 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 there's not, they're taking an asset that. It's not even playing on their team, and their team's playing really good, and literally adding a piece to it. It's like, you're going to swap out Andre Iguodala, who, believe it or not, I know you tweeted and told people that you know he wasn't playing tonight. I know that was a shocking thing, and that's maybe, you know, the Grizzlies <laughs> were shorthanded too, uh, because Iguodala wasn't trading. Well, they were without Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, but my, my tweet about Iguodala was a joke. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> but you're taking Iguodala, who obviously is not playing, and you're swapping out with even a Justice Winslow, like healthy Justice Winslow, I mean, they're adding reinforcements to this team, no matter, you know, they're sending Jake Crowder off or not. But yeah, man, it's a fun team. If I was a Grizzlies fan, I'd be all in on just this, this team and how fun they are. And I mean, I don't want to do the negativity part about this from a Mavs perspective right now, but um, the standings right now, Dallas, uh, Dallas is tied with the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, with 31 and 20 record, the Thunder have the tiebreaker right now over Dallas. So technically, uh, at this moment, Dallas sets in, in the seventh spot in the West. And I know they still got five games. Uh, yeah, five games on the Grizzlies, but Grizzlies are playing really good basketball right now. And yep. The last thing you want to do as a Mavericks or the Thunder in this spot, and even the, you know the Jazz and everybody's up there from the 31 to 32 wins. You don't want to be that team that drops so a team like Memphis or somebody can move up. Yes. Also, that seven spot is dangerous because the Clippers are up there, <laughs> right? Like you haven't played yeah. the Clippers in the first round too. But Luka's out, right? Like we we yeah. have to throw some of these things out and give the Mavericks a break because an MVP is literally out of this game. Like a MVP sure. candidate is not playing, and they've had stretches, you know, where they haven't played without him and haven't played without Porzingis and like. Injuries do matter, guys. Like I know people say, "Oh, they're down thirty at home." It shouldn't be an injuries shouldn't be an excuse. Like at some point, it is. Yeah. Like, at some point, <laughs> we have yeah. to give it to them. Uh, and yes, they can play with more fire. Yes, they can play with more passion. I-, I can't stand when people say that the Mavericks aren't playing with passion. How can you see that on TV? Yeah, and you can't sit there uh, coming out of this game after a fourteen point loss to the Grizzlies the night before the deadline with all these injuries and be like, "You got to go make a deal right now." I mean, you have to. Yeah, you that's, that's really an overreaction. Don't. Like, this is one of the only. This is one of the first years that I can remember of that. I'll be content, you know, if they don't do anything, I'll be content with it. I wish they would at least do something, you yeah. know, get some type of, you know, small like an Alec Burks or something like that. That I think that would be cool to, you know, kind of bring in another wing there. But even if they don't, it's not the end of the world. And man, we still have Luca and KP. And like you have said this a thousand times on this podcast, <laughs> this season is about the chemistry between KP and Luca yep. and them building that together. And so that's the focus of everything. But either way, we're going to have a blast tomorrow de- or today on deadline day. And uh, we'll be on Twitter. We're going to be recording a pod right after later the on deadline. T- we'll, we'll record and we'll put yeah. it out as soon as we can. So uh, it should be a, a super fun day. There you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.